Good morning, Faith Fellowship. I don't know if you guys, but I mean, ever since Van started this, this the study in Psalm 119 has been fantastic. And, uh, you know, my, my original thing is like, I don't, you know, I don't know much about it, so I'm not sure. But man, every time I open it up and I actually get to get the honor and the privilege of studying and preparing to deliver to somebody, man, it's, it's even, it's just fantastic. Because the longer you walk with the Lord and, and the more you're involved in discipleship, you kind of start to realize you're not really a disciple of Jesus Christ until you're discipling somebody else. Does that make sense? Because then at that point, you're actually following his example, you know, and it's funny how the human works because we can take in all kinds of theory. But when you take it in and you're forced to, to process it yourself and redeliver it, that's man, that's where that that really happens, because and it's very interesting because a lot of times, you know, I, I kind of make I'm probably I'm probably the, the worst person on the planet because I oversimplify everything almost to the point of like oversimplify everything. And it's like, you know, we talk about like the Holy spirit and, and you know, what it really is. And if we're not careful, it becomes this thing up here that is mystical and we're praying for things that aren't even in the Bible. And it's like, it's kind of weird. And then we walk away when it doesn't work, which is just crazy. But when you think about what the Holy Spirit is indwelling the believer, whenever I have the truth of God's word and I'm speaking it, what am I producing every time I speak? Wind, the Holy Spirit. And it's just very, you know, it's, to me, it's always just a kind of a cool picture because you never see the word of God and the spirit of God acting independent of one another. So it's kind of a cool, I don't know, probably oversimplified, but that's good. All right. So speaking of oversimplified, let's hop into Psalm 119. Super. So last time I was up here, I, I got the uh, I uh, the privilege of doing the eighth stanza. So we did, um, it was new beginnings, fresh perspectives. I had a PowerPoint. I had just spent four days at the lake. I wasn't just coming off COVID. So yeah, it was, it was fantastic. Uh, this time we bought a new building. I had a Saturday night wedding. Um, I'm just coming off COVID. And uh, so there's no PowerPoint. So I hope you like bunt cake. So yeah, I think I mentioned that this morning. I made the cake, but I didn't put icing on it. So yeah, sorry. Is that, is that true? The bunt cake doesn't have icing, right? Does it really? Oh, well, I hope you don't like bunt cake. I hope you like the driest possible cake available. Angel food, okay. Perfect, excellent. No, that's terrific, that's terrific. But today, is, it's kind of interesting. So, so last time, and I don't want to get too nerded out on the whole numbers thing, but it is kind of interesting because, you know, I did the eighth one and I played off of that. And then so I obviously I just kind of looked at that just to just to kind of take a quick look. And, OK, what's number 10 mean? And uh, it's interesting because 10, just like three, seven and 12 would be pictures of perfection or completion. So I was thinking today, I was like, I was going to have a Bo Derek shot up here of the perfect 10. I was like, that's probably inappropriate for church. <laughs> So I probably won't do that. So we'll just say perfect 10. And, uh, and man, the more, I, the more I looked at this and the more I studied it, it's like, man, you know, you know what? If we apply the principles in this stanza, man, we're entire and wanting nothing. Just like the Bible tells us, you know, in the New Testament. So, you know, just a little quick thing on the 10. Um, the only reason I bring it up really is because this is where we're going to land at the very end of this thing. All right. And if I don't land there, something's gone terribly wrong and I've screwed it up. So, yeah. Okay. So in Genesis chapter one, you see, you see, and God said 10 times, right? So, you know, you see how important Genesis chapter one is for the entire, lays the foundation for everything. Um, gosh, we got uh, from Adam to Noah's 10 generations, right? You got all of the human race until the judgment. Okay. So it just shows that completion of time that happened there. Um, Jesus healed 10 lepers. We've actually heard about that one. Only what one came back and thank God. And he was the one that was made whole. So we just, that shows the significance of being thankful. Um, there was 10 days between Jesus ascension to heaven and Pentecost. Um, I don't know, 10 commandments, tithe. There's 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10. Okay. All right. So, but the idea for us is, man, you know what? It's, it's the number of completion. And so I think if we just have that in the back of our mind as we're going through this, That'll, that'll be helpful to us. So I know I was prayed, prayed for already. I'll pray again real quick, and, uh, and we'll just get started.
Father, I thank you, Lord, uh, just for the honor and the privilege it is to, to stand in front of these people that I love dearly, Lord, that, that God, um, God, I get to share the, the truth of your word with them. Father, I pray that, uh, Lord, I don't take that lightly. God, I pray that, like, like Justin said, Lord, just move me out of the way. And Lord, I just pray that your word would be explained clearly and it would be easy to, to entreat, Lord, easy to take in and, and not only take in, but to, to believe it and obey it and apply it, Lord. God, I pray the Holy Spirit um, could do what only he can do. And, and Lord, that's to guide us, to teach us, and, and to bring all things to remembrance, Father. God, we thank you. I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, I don't know what in the world has gotten into me. Like, I just, the older I'm getting, the more emotional I'm getting. I don't, man, it is the weirdest thing. Like, is there a thing called menopause? I'm wondering. Like, I don't, I'm not being mean. I'm not, I'm honestly not being mean. I just, I just want to, I might be, yeah. Give me some testosterone shots or something. I don't know, man. I, I don't know. Goodness gracious. All right. Praise the Lord. All right, man. Psalm 119, 73 through 80 says this. Thy hands have made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn thy commandments. They that fear thee will be glad when they see me because I have hoped in thy word. I know, O Lord, that thy judgments are right and that thou in faithfulness hath afflicted me. Let, I pray thee, thy merciful kindness be for my comfort according to the, thy word unto thy servant. Let thy tender mercies come unto me that I may live for thy law is my delight. Let the proud be ashamed for they dealt perversely with me without a cause, but I will meditate in thy precepts. Let those that fear thee turn unto me and those that have known thy testimonies. Let my heart be sound in thy statutes that I may be not ashamed. So what we see here, guys, is this. We see a foundational three verses and then we see five lets. So it's, it's very interesting because the, the foundational verses, if we don't get the first three here, the next five don't even work, right? Um, does anybody, any Bible nerds know what number five means in the scripture? What? Death. Grace is another one. Is, uh, man, so that's, it's fantastic because if, if we don't get the foundation right, man, the way we apply it and the way it comes out of our life will never make sense to us and to those around us. So, Verse 73, thy hands have made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn thy commandments. Here we see the divine order of wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. I mentioned this last time, right? Um, how philosophy and science, everything the world produces, every system the world produces operates the exact opposite of this. It's always knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Hey, learn something. Now comprehend it and now go apply it in its wisdom. That's, how that's, that's the entire system. This is, so we'll, we'll be spending a little bit of time in the Garden of Eden. This is how messed up things got so early in the Garden of Eden. Eve was even having a hard time with this. She's standing under a tree of knowledge to make one wise, right? That starts up here and ends in here. The divine order is it starts in here, works its way through our will, now we're actually able to learn something, right? So wisdom starts in the heart. That's our belief or our faith, our understanding, okay? That is our, I remember I was in South America one morning and I was in like a, what they call a finca, which is like a ranch. So I was out in the middle of nowhere, just, just having my quiet time. And it was just pretty. And I had been studying pretty de deeply this, this wisdom and knowledge and understanding thing. And I was like, I got my head around the wisdom pretty good and I got myself around the knowledge pretty good because those seem to make a little bit of sense. But I always struggled with the understanding. And then I realized I was just reading through Colossians and I don't know what it was, but it was like, oh, what are you standing under? <laughs> Duh. So yeah, that opened up a bunch of, a bunch of doors because I mean, we may believe something, but if we're not submitted to it, it it's never going to really, we're not going to ever want to learn about it. You guys get what I'm saying? It's back to the Garden of Eden. You see this in Satan. I mean, this is how this is how ununderstanding Satan is. He didn't even submit to the order of the garden. Think about it. He didn't even submit. To, like, like he could have said, Hey Eve, you know what? Wait, I got you here. So before we eat of this tree, 
let's go eat of the tree of life first, make you eternal. Then let's make you a, a, a lost being. So, I mean, God's like, okay, well, dummy, now you're giving me a chance to guard the tree of life. Smooth. So, I don't know, you know, it's just funny because you see Satan, is, you know, he, the Bible even says he's wise as a serpent. He's wise. He knows there's a God. He was standing right in front of him, right? He knows that he's there. But it just understanding has to do with our will. And we, and we do it all the time. Man, I totally believe that boiling water will hurt my hand. So I submit to that truth every day. I don't wash my hands with boiling water. Oversimplified, terrible analogy. Okay, apologize. So the idea is then this. It's, it's wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. You see this in Proverbs chapter 3, I believe, verses 19 and 20, if I remember right. Um, you kind of, And then once you start seeing it, you start seeing it over and over and over in Scripture, right? And um, that's just huge for us because if we're not really submitted to God's Word, if we're not willing to obey God's Word, we have no reason to get a renewed mind. We have no reason to learn anything, right? Like I've told my kids for years, this is the most miserable book on the planet if you're not going to obey it. Like, it, this is the only book on the planet that says the world's going to end. I mean, if, if, if you have no intention of submitting and obeying the Bible, it, this is an absolute terrible book, right? Because you're, you're just not viewing it correctly. This is why we have to stand under the teaching of the Bible, okay? Um, so here we see in Psalm 119, verse 73, thy hands have made me and fashioned me. Man, there's a lot packed in here. Man, I have a creator, right? And I get to know who he is. That's fantastic, right? This is the starting point. God made me, which means there is a God, right? We see in Psalm chapter 14, verse 1, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God, right? Um, you see this in Romans chapter 1. Even when they knew God, they, they decided, yeah, you know what? We're going to worship the creature more than the creator. And then you just see society completely demolished because of that backward thinking, that reprobate mind. Based on this alone, the fact that God made us, man, we have value. Because we bear the image of God right? Um, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, one of those cool Trinity verses, right? And it says, God, and, and God said, let us make man in our image, right? That three-part situation. He's, he's referring to himself in a plural situation. Um, man, God made us in his image for his purpose. We have value, okay? This is not a proud statement. We've been taught sometimes that saying things like this is proud. No, that's absolutely not pride. That's humbly agreeing with God's word. And anything, anything other than that is false humility and run away from that person because they're just trying to trick you and they probably want something out of you or to control you, right? So because, man, we have value. Every system on this planet that I just mentioned, education, government, business, the, the modern family, everything is set up in such a way to devalue the human soul. And it's very diabolical and deceptive because... I mean, whenever you're in a situation or an environment like that and someone comes and says, hey, um, someone loves you so much. You're so valuable that someone died for you. It doesn't even resonate. Like there's no point of reference. You're like, no, I didn't. No, no, no. That doesn't make sense. I have to perform this, this and this in order to gain acceptance. You see what what's happened over the years is, man, this these systems have destroyed the value of the human being. And we see this. That might be somebody mistreating another person. You never know. It wouldn't be surprising. Watch the news, right? And here's the deal. Man, if this is the case, we will respond in fear. And, and, and not so much flinching whenever God... No, actually, it's just all in reverence. Man, just knowing... In, in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10 says it best. You know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom right? And the knowledge of the holy is understanding. See, the actual knowledge actually stems from an understanding, you see? And this is where we have to be as individuals. We need to just simply believe God's word. It makes life so much easier. It really does. You know, we'll get into this in a second, but yeah, I mean, think about it, guys. God counted us worthy enough to make. He counted us 
I'm sorry, not worthy, important enough to make, important enough to be involved with, and ultimately important enough to redeem. Like Jesus Christ, our value has nothing to do with how we behave or what we look like or how much money we have. Our value has everything to do at the price that was paid on the cross. And that's true for every human being on this planet. This certainly affects how we see others. Because here's the deal. We teach us in discipleship. You are never able to give what you don't have. And if you, it's, it's kind of like um, having an appetite for the word. According to Peter, we have a desire for the sincere work of the word of truth. If so, you have tasted the Lord is gracious. If you're still serving the God that's angry with you all the time, you, you don't really, you're not too concerned. You're kind of nervous about what he's going to say, right? Not to mention, if, if you're in that situation here, you will be in that situation here. If you haven't experienced God's love, you have no love to give. If you haven't experienced God's joy, you have no joy to give. We can fake it for a little bit, but when life happens, and it always does, we will be knocked down, right? So, man, the idea here is this, is every person on this planet, just based on this alone, God made me and fashioned me. Man, that is huge for us because it, it, man, it sets us apart from all of creation. We actually have value to the Lord or else he wouldn't have come and paid for us. The next phrase here, give me understanding. Like I said, this has to do with our humility and submission, our will. Humility is making ourselves low. Right, Joe McKay did an excellent job of, of laying out all of this at church at all church retreat. It's fantastic. You know, First Peter chapter five verse six says, "Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you." The bottom line is, guys, if 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 we have all the solutions, there's no reason to cast our cares to God. Like I don't go to Chris Best for an oil change. But I also wouldn't go to Jiffy Lube to get a diagnosis of COVID. You know, I mean, it's like we have certain people in our lives that, hey, you know what? Based on what I've seen and what he does, I'm going to go to that person because I view him as a solution, right? If we don't view God as our solution, well, then we have no reason to humble ourselves under his mighty hand. And then if you're not humbling yourself, you're certainly not casting your care to him. So then you end up walking around with all this anxiety and care and stress that eventually kills you. Paul wasn't being cute when he said, be careful for nothing. Yeah, anxiety will absolutely eat you up and spit you out. I've seen it. I've, I've been in psych wards. And it's, if you ever want to get a close-up picture of the dark world, go into a psych ward. I've never been more freaked out in my life than to, watch, to walk by and see it in the eyes just glazed over. They're just not there. It's a scary, scary place. So Paul wasn't saying, hey, you know what, this would be cool on a card. No, actually, no. Be careful for nothing. Don't let it overtake you. Whenever your joy is disrupted, turn to God immediately. Get back to that place of peace. Then it says this. Man, submission is always the way to go, guys. Emily and I, I wish she was here because she would raise her hand and say, yes, I believe that. Because this is something that we know for a fact. God always honors submission. Every time. Like it's, it's, it's a, it's a no-fail no situation. We've seen it firsthand. We've experienced it. And the more you read the Bible, man, it's, it's on every page. Man, submission. And, and we sometimes in this, like, think about the redefinition that's happened over the years. Well, I'm not going to submit to that. I don't. Okay, well, I hope you like being miserable because you just made him, you're miserable and they're miserable. And it's like, no, actually, anytime you're entering into any formal relationship, submission is key. And it's kind of nice to be in the submitted party because you're not in the responsible party. There's safety there. It's, be it's a beautiful place to be. It's, it's, it's so beautiful. I mean, in fact, so you see this in wives and in, in husband-wife relationship and in the job relationship and in the church relationship. So here's the cool part about it. You even see this modeled for us at the Trinity level. You never see the Father doing the will of the Son or the will of the Spirit. But in order for the Son and the Spirit to work together, you know what they're doing? 
they're bowing a knee to the Father. Not my will, but thy will be done. When the Holy Spirit comes, he will only tell you what he's got from the Father. He ain't speaking on his own, some crazy stuff, right? So then it says here, the end of verse 73, that I, that I may learn thy commandments. When we acknowledge who we are and we humble ourselves, now we are able to truly learn God's word. Without this, we just end up being puffed up. The, the longer I've walked with God and the more I learn, you know what? Um, the further I get away from Jesus, the more trouble I get into. And this is what Paul's talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. To him that thinketh he knoweth anything, he doesn't know nothing. But the important thing is, is that people around him know that they know he, knows he loves God. Because here's the cool part about it. If you love God, you love people. It becomes very evident, right? And we'll see that in a second. People, you know, man, that, that we need to love others, okay? The Word of God is a transforming book. Romans chapter 12, 2 tells us so, right? And if we're not careful, you know, like we, we talk about this all the time, man, we, we're a teaching church, teaching church, foundations, you know, life of Christ, first Corinthians. Man, if we're not careful, we can learn a bunch of stuff and never get a renewed mind. We're, like I, I make a joke. This is a terrible joke, and I want to apologize <laughs> before I deliver this joke. We got people who are more concerned with the gap theory than the real gap theory. Gap, no, gap solution. So anybody who can say, okay, no, I believe, okay, well, I, that's fine. I don't even care. Like it, it really doesn't matter how, that has no effect on what I do today. The real gap we should be concerned with is how Romans chapter 12, verse 2 ends. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good acceptable, perfect will of God. G-A-P. Terrible joke. Terrible joke. Yeah, so that's the gap we need to be concerned with. Okay, I'm sorry, guys. Okay, we'll move on to verse 74. All right. Verse 74 says this, they that fear thee will be glad when they see me because I have hoped in thy word. Guys, when we are in the position of accepting who we are in Christ, humbled before God and others, and are learning to love others, people will be glad to see us. The cycle of growth in the Christian life should always end in hope. You sh even this place, you should never walk out of this place feeling bad. This is a place of grace. We got enough bad messaging out there. Any kind of, any, anytime you're, you're leaving here feeling like you lack something, that's not of God. This is a place of good news and grace. You get what I'm saying? Like, we, we get plenty of bad news, and I'm not even sure the opposite of grace works out there. This is our place of refuge. But we need to come together and be encouraged together, right? The problem is this, is, is we don't want this process to take place. We see this process in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Right? Romans 5, 1 through 5. We don't have a lot of time to get into it. It's, oh gosh, it's already, oh shoot. Okay. So basically it's this. Romans chapter 5, 1 through 5 is talking about the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, the peace we have, right? If you read Romans chapter 5, it's such incredible news that chapter 6 begins with an absurd question. You know, if you've shared the gospel correctly, when the question is, so I can keep on sinning? You get what I'm saying? Because it's that good of news. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, show this process. Tribulations, patience, experience, and hope, right? Um, hope is born out of tribulation. We should embrace this instead of praying against it all the time. Most of our prayers look exactly like this. God, I know you're in the furnace because I've read Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but make me an exception. I want to meet you outside of the furnace. That's most of, I mean, think about it. I, I need comfort, I mean, it's the most absurd thing in the world. We know for a fact that's where you meet the Lord Jesus Christ. In the tribulation, in the furnace. Man, we, we should be running to that thing. Because when you meet Jesus Christ, things change. Philippians chapter 3, verse 3 says this. For we are the circumcision which worship God in spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus. And have no confidence in the flesh. Man, Nothing on this planet will ever bring you the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. 
if you're hoping in anything other than Jesus Christ, I'm not even sure what to tell you. I mean, you're going to be miserable. Like any hope outside of Christ, you, I, okay, I, I honestly don't know what, what to say to you because everything else will fail. And you will be in a place of frustration, a place of non-expectation, man, a place of just misery, right? Romans 8.25 says, you know, hope is something that we patiently wait for. This affects everything. This affects our prayer life bigger than anything. There's a, there is a, you know, our attack isn't this full frontal Old Testament sword in your face attack. It's very subtle and it's very deceiving. And it's, it's interesting because like in prayer is, is, you know, even though we walk in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh. Prayer is, prayer is what keeps us in that good position of peace, right? And, and prayer has been so redefined over the years that it causes a lot of confusion. Like, like, think about it. Like we've all been in a room where somebody stands up and said, I didn't have any money. And then I prayed about it and an anonymous check showed up. And we all say, oh, pray. Now, actually, you know what? That might be the angel of light. Satan pretending to be the angel of light. In the scriptures, it's very important to know where that gift came from. It came from the body of Christ. Because it's profitable to be in the body of Christ. And then all of a sudden, what happens is this. Um, based on that person's experience, um, my measuring stick for prayer for the next 20 years is that. So now Satan has not just deceived that guy. He's now deceived an entire room full of people for 20 years. That just became the measuring stick. Well, I must not be as spiritual as so-and-so. And then you start feeling down on yourself. And God, oh man, I don't have everything. I lack something. It's exactly where the enemy wants us. This is another thing. It's very subtle. Hoping and praying is different than praying and hoping. <clears throat> hoping is what drives you to prayer. Pray without ceasing has more to do with don't give up hope. The believer is never outside of that place where things are too bad off. They're not going to recover. Hope without ceasing. Wish without ceasing. Right? Man, and then all of a sudden, man... I have, I have hope in the Lord, so I'm going to turn to him in prayer. A lot of our prayers look a little bit like praying and hoping. <laughs> well, I hope something happens. <laughs> Boy, I hope, hope I can share the gospel with somebody this week. I mean, all the stuff. You know what? Um, take Linda and Arnold Thomas, for instance. You know what? Maybe instead of praying for them to get better and, and heal them, what prayer actually does, it actually puts us in a position to reach out and ask how they're doing. Like you see in 3 John verse 2, when, he, when John is writing to his friend Gaius, and it's like, this is like the most Disney world language of the Bible. He says, I wish above all things that thy, thy, soul, thy health prospereth as thy soul does. That's awesome. We need to get back there because that's how the body of Christ works together. We should be reaching out all the time. Man, I hope this works out for you, man. I really do. Like, like it means something to me that your life is working out well, right? So this is the idea. I mean, hope is contagious, Man, I hope that, man, I hope you're glad to see me. But, but here's what's more important than you glad to see me and saying I'm glad to see you, Miller. No, what that means is, hey, you know what? Um, I'm glad to see that God's word actually works. I find great encouragement in that. I know what you're going through and you're still smiling. Wow, I want that, right? So we are way behind. Okay, I'm gonna have to skip that, 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 and that. Okay, verse 75. I know, O Lord, that thy judgments are right, and thou, hast, thou in faithfulness has afflicted me. Any trouble we experience, man, when we focus on God, is on working, his working other than the circumstances, that's where we should be at, right? There is profit in the faith position. We see that in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. Man, we need to be people that say, you know what, man, I have faith in Romans 8, 28. We know, not guess or hope, we know that all things work together for good, right? To them that love God and those that are called according to his purpose. Faith in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. I found this kind of interesting recently. I noticed this recently. I hadn't noticed it. But when it talks about God can do way above all you can expect or think or, or think or pray, I can't remember, think or ask, I can't remember the verse. Because that's normally all you see in charismatic. That's, all, that's normally all you see. And then they have dot, dot, dot. 
Well, if you don't have the dot, 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 that doesn't make sense. Because it says, according to the power that worketh within you. Not this. Uh, okay. Man, we need to get back to that point where just, man, you know what? We are God's solution for the world. There is no plan B. Like, the body is what delivers the message of Jesus Christ. We should take great, great value and great pride in that, you know? Faith is, is not just green, but obeying. There is always profit in this. When we faithfully go through tribulation, the perspective and our definition will change, like we see in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, right? Verse 17. The Apostle Paul, we know what his life looked like. Just one trial after another. And what does he say? He says, for our light affliction, which lasteth but for a moment. You see, your, your, your perspective changes. Because then what's cool about the Apostle Paul is he never, like, forces himself on you. Because later on in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, it starts off with, hey, man, look at these poor people. Out of their, out of their poverty they gave, out of their great affliction. Like, he's still able to perceive what affliction is when he's looking at another person. He's never going to say, ah, light affliction for you. No, actually, you always meet people where they're at. Just because your affliction's light and you're actually at a position where your perspective's in a good spot doesn't mean so for the so-and-so, right? We need to always, man, put other people in a, in a place of prominence in our life, right? So in verses 73 through 75, I kind of wanted to camp out more there, is I learn, I hope, and I know. You see those key words in there, okay? The Father is the wisdom, the Son is the understanding, and then the Spirit, right, is knowledge, you guys can tie all that together later, right? But here's the deal. This is, if, if we have allowed this to take place in our lives, the next five verses are for us. If you're still struggling through some of that stuff, the, first five, the next five verses really, you won't be able to land here, which I pray that we will, right? They simply just don't work. They can pretend and try to work for a little bit, but they'll eventually break down. If we do not let the, intention, the internal process of spiritual growth take place, we will always try to control others and outcomes. Control freaks. The church is full of them. I mean, and, and they are the most miserable people on the planet. And they make other people miserable, right? So people send a, they spend a good amount of time in this realm, and it is so frustrating. If we could just be delivered from this, it would be huge. For a lot of people, this is where the enemy would have us thinking we're in control. Right? I, 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 I'm going to have another terrible analogy, which I'm not even sure is allowed in church, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. It's, it's from The Simpsons. So if, you, if, if you're not familiar with The Simpsons, you know, it's a dysfunctional family that lives in Springfield somewhere. And uh, there's a TV show about them. And the, the son, Bart, is always in trouble. Homer is a goofball. Marge has big hair. Lisa is the most annoying person in the family. And the way she is described at one in one episode is this. She is the answer to the question nobody's asking. And if that doesn't wrap up most Christians today, you know what I'm saying? It's just most of us have everything to offer when we're not asked. And it's absurd. <laughs> I mean, it's funny. So here, the five lets. Let's see at this. The answer, I mean, the, verse 76, let, I pray thee, thy merciful kindness be for my comfort, according to thy word unto thy servant. Man, that word let, just allow. This is the only time in this, in this chapter where you see this. Five, man, five verses that say, let this happen, let this happen, let this happen, let this happen. It doesn't need your help, right? It does, God doesn't need our help to show his merciful kindness to me. I don't have to perform at a level in order to gain or earn his merciful kindness. Just let it happen. Does that make sense? And just rest there. Just like it says in Hebrews, we need to labor to enter into that rest because that's where our joy is. You, you can never really enjoy something until it's done. 
because when you know the work is finished, man, just like the, the Lord, God, Jehovah said on, you know, not seventh day, man, things are done. I'm sitting down. I'm relaxing. I'm resting. That's where we are perpetually in Christ Jesus. Psalm 117 verse 2 says this, for his merciful kindness is great toward us and the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Praise you, the Lord. Patiently looking for God's merciful kindness is comforting. Man, the Holy Spirit is our comforter. And in and, and 2 Corinthians chapter 1, you know, the, the very beginning of that, it says we have the God of all comfort who comforteth us in all of our tribulation. And there's no period there so that we may be able to comfort also others with the same comfort therewith we have received, right? John chapter 14, 26, the Holy Spirit is our comforter. And Jesus goes even as far as saying in John chapter 16, verse seven, he's like, hey, you know what? Being with me is cool, but it's more expedient that I go away and send the comforter. It's gonna be much better. We're sitting around saying two or three are gathered. I'm in the midst, no. The Holy Spirit is more expedient because he's within us. Jesus Christ himself says, hey, that's great that I'm in. No, no, I'm sending something way better. He's going to always be with you, teaching you, guiding you, bringing your things to remembrance, right? Verse 77, let thy tender mercies come unto me that I may live for my law, for thy law is my delight. Man, we should take pleasure in God's word. It works every time. I mean, every, like I tell people, it's so, it's so simple. Think about it. If we just took the entire Bible and, and put it away and we were left with Ephesians 4.32, just that one verse, if everybody on the planet did that one verse, we're back in Eden. It's perfect. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ, they got forgiven you. It, just one verse that we learned in kindergarten, Right? And then everything changes. Man, one of the primary traits of the spiritual maturity is showing mercy. Right? You see this. You see that. I'm going to have time to get into it, but you see it. Look at, look at yourself. Look at all of the epistles to the churches. How do they typically begin? Well, I'm sorry, not typically. How do they always begin? Grace and peace be unto you. When you get into the pastoral epistles, you know what? They add a little word there. Grace, mercy, and peace. Because when you're dealing with people, you better have a good dose of mercy. Because in order to deal with people correctly, you have to have mercy with them, right? Man, if you experience God as always displeased with you, this will be reflected in your relationships. If you don't view God as merciful and you enjoy his tender mercies, you have nothing, no mercy to give to other people. Verse 78, let the proud be ashamed for they dealt perversely with me without a cause, but I will meditate in thy precepts. Guys, this is all about this. God doesn't need our help shaming people. The world does that perfectly well for them. We don't need to help God in shaming the pride. It, it just happens. Allow it to happen. Don't get in the way of it either. Because that process has to take place in order for that person to be humbled enough to reach out for a solution. And it's beautiful, guys. This, this is a beautiful place to be. The freedom of not keeping score. I remember when Emily and I stopped keeping score on each other. It was the greatest thing ever. I don't got to worry. I'm not keeping score, babe. You know, it's cool. What you did today doesn't matter tomorrow. I, we're cool. I mean, and this has to happen with other people in our lives. Vengeance is mindset. He's keeping score. And he's a perfect scorekeeper, by the way. Right? Man, the, the idea is, well, well, they have to know how I feel. Not really. No, they need to know how God feels. And you know how God feels about that person? Well, let's, let's read John 3.16. That might be a good one to start at. Right? Romans 5.8. Yet we, when we were yet without, without, like, what? Oh, I just butchered that verse big time. And I've lost uh, the memory of it here. In that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us, right? I mean, that's the, the idea there is, man, that's, how, that's what people need to know, not how I feel about them. I don't, they don't need to know what my thoughts are on the mask. They don't need to know my thoughts on the vaccine. They don't need to know my thoughts on if the earth is round or, or flat. 
they don't need to know my thoughts on Melchizedek. I'm not even sure how you have a faith position in Melchizedek. How are you going to obey anything on that? I mean, it, the harlot on the beast, it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't, like, I'm going to have a front row seat to that. That has no effect on how I'm treating other people. We need to get off of all of this because you know what? I can love people on a flat surface or a round surface. It doesn't matter. It's just these people who get so wrapped up in, well, what's going on in Israel? Who cares? It's not going to be at peace until Christ is seated on the throne. We get so worked up about all this stuff. Well, they got to know how I feel and how smart I am about it. No, they don't. No, no, go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. To think that you know anything, you don't know anything. They need to know one thing about you. Do you love God? And we spend so much time trying to control other people. Well, you got to think like I th- Absolutely not. Please, actually, in my case, don't think like I think. It'll t- probably get you in trouble. Right? Man, stop keeping score on people, man. Let the proud be ashamed. It happens. It just happens. A haughty spirit goes before a fall. That's a promise in Scripture. We just need to tell people, man, commit the word of God. Say, hey, you know what? Man, if kids, my children, the people that are voluntarily under me, right, in ministry, or my children, those are my two audiences that I get to, hey, out. because you've actually taken the time to gain their heart and love them enough to earn their ear, which is enormous. Verse 79, let those that fear thee turn unto me. And those that have known thy testimonies. Man, are we, gonna, are we living a life in such a way where people are going to return to us? This gets in the whole concept of respect. You know, respect is never given. It's always earned. And, and it's one of those words that have just been redefined so poorly. You know what spect means? Spectacle. Like, based on what I see, I'm going to return to you. Like, it's, it actually, words have meanings. But now we tell people, you know, you just need to respect me. Dude, you keep hitting me. Why would, why would I ever return to you? It's painful. We got to be very careful with that word because it might lock somebody up into a very harmful relationship. No, respect is always learned. I mean, always earned. Man, and this gets into the meaning, man, based on, on what I have seen, like in, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, man, this is what it is. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You know what I was thinking about this? You know what's seen? Light. Light is seen. It's, it, the minute you hear it, it's broken. It's like it's buzzing, you know, with like a, a fluorescent bulb. You know what I'm saying? It's like, man, we need to be able to put on light to people. Like our lives should be warming to other people, should be welcoming to other people. Verse 80, let my heart be sound in thy statutes that I may not ashamed. And this gets right here. This is the end of it, right? Man, when we've poured the right foundation in our life, the first three verses of this stanza, and we just allow the rest of it to take place and not try to control everything, this is where we're going to land. It says this, let my heart be sound in thy statutes. That soundness is established. What's the goal of discipleship around here? Established. This is where, this is where we're trying to get people to a place of, you know what? I am established in God's word. Man, this is the whole idea. So I didn't screw it up. I'm back to the number 10. Terrific. I probably did screw it up, but we're back to number 10 anyway. All right. This is where sound, complete, right? Established, entire. This is where we end up if we just allow God to show his kindness to us. Let the pride be the proud. They're on TV all the time. And let the good people, man, be ready when they come to you and we let that process happen, man, we will be sound. We'll be completely contented in Jesus Christ. Because if we allow that and stop trying to control everything around us, which we cannot do, and and to to think that we should even control things is kind of crazy. I mean, this gets back into our prayer life. Like I I talked to one of our guys recently. I was like, I think, I mean, I landed on it. I, I went through a season where it's like, wait, is it, I'm not sure which is worse not praying at all or me dictating to God what I think should happen. It's called presumption. 
it's like, no, actually, you know what? I, I think, I mean, obviously not praying at all is worse, you know, but the idea is, man, for me to go to tell perfect, hey, God, here's what I think should happen. I'd be a lot better off. If, you, know, you know what? I'm just going to spend my time in prayer thankful. And it's amazing how many doors that opens up to you. I'm back in the position of speaking God's language because God is glorified when he's in the giving position. And whether we know it or not, that's our strongest position on the earth. I tell people all the time, man, any relationship that you get in, into, always get into the giving position as soon as you can. There's no, there's no frustration in giving. There's no unmet expectation in giving. You can give all day long. And you're never, you're never discontented about it. It's a beautiful spot to be. So 2 Timothy 2.15 says this, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Man, this soundness, this security, this establishment, man, takes time in the word of God. Like I've said before, the Holy Spirit, one of his jobs is to bring all things to remembrance. If you, if you haven't placed it in, he has nothing to remind you of. You haven't armed yourself. You see the same thing in our spiritual warfare in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, casting down imaginations, right? That exalt themselves above the knowledge of God. Well, if you don't have the knowledge of God, how do you know if it's exalted above it? It's kind of impossible, right? I can talk to my wife this way. No, you can't. You can't talk to anybody that way. It says, man, what does it say? Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, ministering grace to the hearer. Like every word that comes out of our mouth should be building words, never tearing down words. And it's funny how we've kind of got into a situation where we've kind of spiritualized, well, you know, Ephesians 5 is a picture and man, we're sanctified by the cleansing of the water of the word. And man, if my wife and I just sat down and read the Bible together, it's good. No, that's not devotion time together. That means this. If you want to picture Jesus Christ in your marriage, every time your wife comes to you, she should walk away cleaner for the time spent not torn down and dirtier. Because, man, every time we spend time in God's word, our husband, man, he is just nothing but encouraged. Man, it's, it's good, and it's gracious, and it's building up. 2 Timothy 3, 15 through 17, you know, ends this way, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Man, when we allow God's word to have its process in our life, doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness, when we allow that structure to or that process to happen in our life, we will be thoroughly furnished. And for all the, the word nerds out there, is that, a, is that a word? I just made something up? Yeah. Word, nerd. word nerd. Yeah, I'm gonna write that down. Okay, no, word nerd. Man, what's a cool, if you look up that thoroughly furnished and trace it back to the, the etymology of that, you know where you end up? A fully baked loaf of bread. Just like Jesus Christ. The bread of life. I mean, it's actually it's very interesting to be thoroughly furnished. Man, we should be bread to everybody around us. There's so much wrapped up in that concept of bread. So in conclusion, when we allow God's word to do its work in and through our lives, we will be established. When our lives are built on the solid foundation of the rock of Jesus Christ, we will not get blown away when the storms of life come our way. You'll actually start redefining storms. You'll start redefining, like I've redefined storms now um, as, as to where, when God is the storm. Because I was outside one day and it started lightning and I'm like, wait, I've never really looked up what lightning is. So I went inside and looked up what lightning is. You know what lightning is? Lightning is caused by friction of wind and water. Well, that kind of sounds familiar. The Holy Spirit and the word of God coming together and causing friction. And then it all of a sudden enlightens you. And then when that lightning folds back up on itself, you know, you know what that sound is? Thunder. And you know, in the Bible, thunder is always the voice of God. Oh, I just heard. I know for a fact I heard from God on this. And then what happens after that? The rain happens and it washes you. Interesting. So yeah, it washes me. And then when, it, when the Holy Spirit's done doing its thing, the wind kind of blows it on out. Oh yeah, when God is the storm. So yeah, take that for what it's worth. All right. But man, think about that though. At any rate, however you define storm, 
you know what? When you're tied to a rock, that storm doesn't bother you nearly as bad. It's, it's beautiful. And, and the way we build our life on the rock is this. Jesus Christ says this in Luke chapter 6, verse 47. Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. Then he gets on into the, you know, the children's song, building your life on the rock, you know. And when the sands come, but man, think about it, guys. I mean, the Bible goes as far as this. This is how audacious the Bible is. If you look in 1 John and a couple, I think it's also in 1 Peter, I think. Man, when we apply the principles of God's word, there will never be an occasion of stumbling within us. That is a serious Bible promise. I mean, when we just stick to this book, there's never going to be, now, hey, life's going to knock you down. There's going to be things that come along and just take your legs out from under you, loss, pain, trouble, tribulation. There's going to be those things. But man, you know what? When it comes to us as individuals, the promise is this. When we apply this word to our life, we'll never have an occasion of stumbling. That's what building our life on the rock looks like. So, all right, let's pray. We'll get out of here. Father, I thank you, Lord, just for how good you are to us. Thank you for not allowing me to have any coughing fits during this, Lord. Um, God, I just thank you for just your word. Um, and, and, and Lord, I just pray, God, that, that, Lord, something was said today that your spirit can use in the lives of, of these folks, Lord, during this week. And God, that they will be able to, to, to look at Psalm 119, 70 through 80 and, and just, you know, seeing those five lets, just allowing you to do your perfect work in us and in others. God, I pray that uh, this would be the case. Lord, I thank you for all you are and all you've done in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.